everyone, and welcome back to Astral Cognition's podcast, Creative Minds. My name is Shika, and I will be your host for this episode. Astral Cognition is a student-run platform dedicated to empowering the creators of our world and guiding everyone through the process of becoming a creator. On Creative Minds, we take a look at creativity in the real world. We have awe-inspiring interviews with successful creators, magnificent stories from developing creators, and everyone in between. Today I'm with Celine Nguyen, the founder and executive director of Arts for Relief, a community-based organization that uses the arts to encourage donations to mental health-related funds. How are you doing today, Celine? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm feeling a little tired, but who isn't without everything that's going on? <laughs> Me too, though. Honestly, it I don't know how but I somehow seem to get like all the sleep I need, yet I'm still drained as soon yeah. as I wake up. I'm actually, I feel the same way, except I'm not getting the sleep that I need. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, my average right now is four hours of sleep every night. Oh, oh man, yeah. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like that in the beginning of the year, but yesterday I actually did get eight hours of sleep. Oh wow, that's great. Which is the rare occasion. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, uh, what exactly is uh, Gen Z? Like, who falls under that category? Um, I, I'm going to have to look at this real quick. <laughs> I know okay. that there's an age group for like millennials, boomers, and or baby boomers, and um, Gen X and stuff. So I just need to make sure that I'm not spewing misinformation about the age group for Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to talk about that because I think a lot of people are like confused about whether or not they fit into millennials or they fit into Gen Z and so like you know I think it would be I know that uh generations as a whole tend to be like kind of weird in terms of dates yeah so um I'm looking at Google right now it says that Generation Z are those who are born between 1997 and 2012 so right now would be 7 to 22 year olds <laughs> that um, okay that's good yeah now <laughs> so we have we have quite a broad age range there yeah um sure. so then uh what um exactly and you can give like the clinical definition or a person uh like your own personal definition um but what would you define mental illness as a whole as so it's an interesting thing. I um I got into mental health um not recently, maybe like two years ago, right? I don't know if that counts as recent, but like I started <laughs> it's recent enough. Yeah. <laughs> I started um getting more into it. Like I've always known about mental health and mental illness, right? But I didn't really delve into the the de different definitions and like the clinical things and trying to eliminate stigma until around two years ago and from the webinars that I've uh, that I've attended so I've I'm a part of boys and girls club and often they'll hold a mental health webinars so that we can be more uh, well versed in this especially since we're working with kids and so what I've learned from it is, is there's actually a kind of pyramid hierarchy of mental health right so mental health is your ability, your mental well-being, and your ability to adapt to different challenges. So we all have mental health, right? It can be good or bad, and it's it's our ability to adapt to things. And within that that umbrella of mental health, you have four different stages, I would say. So there's the first stage at the bottom of the pyramid where there's no distress, problem, or disorder, and this is when your mental health is feeling, you know, kind of good, and you don't you don't feel those 
those different things that are affecting your mental well-being. And then the next stage would be mental distress. And those are like the common expected and normal responses when you're feeling stressed in everyday life. So like writing an essay, having an argument, um, that's like the normal thing. And then there's uh, there's mental health problem. That's the third part of the uh, third stage of the pyramid. So mental health problems refers to like the reactions that you have when you're facing a huge life challenge. So grieving the loss of a loved one, the loss of a relationship or moving to a new country. Um, these are, that's right in between mental distress and mental illness. So getting to your question, sorry, that was kind of a long intro, but with mental illness, that's a clinically diagnosed problem that your physician will diagnose you with, right? Because they require evidence-based treatments. There's different kinds of treatments for different kinds of illnesses, and it means properly trained healthcare to um, treat that mental disorder or illness. So that would include like major depressive disorder, panic disorder, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and those like common, those, those names that you know you hear about. And those are the actual mental illnesses. And I think it's important, like, like I said, I didn't really know about these stages, right? I, I, I think it's important to know about them because often there's like a spectrum for when people diagnose themselves with a mental disorder and it can get really detrimental with self-diagnosis because you might take or you might do these different types of treatments on your own without seeking help from a professional and then it will lead to different things or you'll go on google and we all know how like web md can affect our <laughs> self-perception of what we think is wrong with ourselves right and so we might rely on google and we won't seek a, a medical professional for help because it's it's like you think that it could be weak or if you if you avoid seeking help from a professional, then you won't feel like there's something wrong with you. And I think it's important to notice that distinction between mental distress, mental health problem, mental disorder, so that everyone gets the help that they need. That's really interesting. I actually didn't know any of that. Um, <laughs> I didn't know there was like a hierarchy. Um, and that's interesting to hear because like, like you said, people tend to, um, when they self-diagnose, uh, often there's like this sort of thing where uh, pe some people who genuinely have, uh, or I shouldn't say genuinely have, but realistically they have a mental illness, like they're in the top two levels of that hierarchy, mm -hmm. um, but they either downplay their syndrome or downplay their symptoms mm -hmm. because uh, they don't think it's as bad as it really is. Yeah. And on the other end of that spectrum, you have people who probably are on the lower end of that spectrum for most of their life, mm -hmm. uh, like the bottom two tiers. Um, but they will uh, over-exaggerate their symptoms because those are the moments that are, you know, that mm -hmm. stand out to them. Yeah. Right. Sure. When when you have a, I don't know how to phrase this other than like bad mental health day. Yeah. Um, you know, that moment stands out to you. Mm -hmm. And so you're more likely to overemphasize that and as a result you might diagnose yourself as being in one of the other like the other categories yeah for sure and i think like it's not bad to see that if you have if you think that you're experiencing some symptoms and you you feel like there might maybe something genuinely wrong with you then it's it's good to seek the professional help but i it's it is like kind of 
it's like I said, there's like that spectrum where you explained it perfectly, where people like at the top might downplay them their own mental disorder because of st um, stigma, right? And then the people at the bottom may over exaggerate it. And I've seen, surprisingly, I've seen on social media certain videos of people who will pretend to have a mental disorder, and it's actually very triggering to the people who do actually have it. And oh, yeah. they'll they'll go on their profiles, like they'll see a video of a person who's pretending to have tics or acting oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. autistic, right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll 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 be like, I'm raising awareness for this, but they don't actually have it, and so it adds to the stigma, you know? Yeah, because they um, most of the time I see that um, with these. Uh, I want to call them influencers, but some of them really aren't influencers, but <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but some of these influencers that do have, um, that like pretend to have a, like, like you said, a tick or something mm -hmm. like that, they themselves often aren't informed about what autism is or what um, whatever disorder they're claiming to have mm -hmm. is. And I think it's important to distinguish between when it uh when someone says that like oh i have um actual like you know i have general anxiety disorder mm -hmm. um versus when someone is just pretending they have uh anxiety yeah or you know general anxiety disorder and i think part of that problem is kind of the glamorization of mental illness and i think this can also um kind of bleed into that aspect of our podcast or your podcast that talks about like gen z and mental illness so this is kind of transitioning into that um, i didn't mean to do that but it, it's sorry hey it works um, you know what <laughs> if i don't have to do it then it's, it's great it's it's yeah it's that um i was doing some research on uh, mental health recently because of these um initiatives that we're doing on arts for relief and I found it interesting that about 37% of young adults re reported that they're receiving help or treatment from men from mental health professionals and half feel that they do uh, they do enough to manage their stress. And only 35% of millennials, 26% of Gen Xers and 22% of baby boomers re reported to receiving help treatment or therapy for mental health. So that was a lot of numbers, but basically the 37% figure, that one um, relates more to Gen Z. And it's showing how Gen Z is reporting more about mental illness and they're more, more Gen Zers than other um, generations are seeking help from professionals. And I think that's amazing. Like, I think that it, it, show, it goes to show how we are as a generation destigmatizing mental health there's still a lot to work on there's still a lot of stigma going around and a lot of misconceptions but the the fact that people are now seeing that receiving help and asking for help is not as is not a weakness and is not as stigmatized as it was in other generations is amazing but at the same time it also um kind of shows like on the other end of the spectrum kind of shows how there's a glamorization of mental health i would say because not just with this data like i'm not saying that this data is showing that there's glamorization of course but when you take this data into context with um the, these videos that we see on social media that we were just talking about people pretending to have mental illnesses and thinking that mental disorders will show that you're strong it's like mental illness does not define you as a person you know if if, if that makes sense and um it, it's being glamorized in some aspects where people will say that having depression is 
I've seen this before, like I'm not even joking. I've seen comments of saying having depression is a beautiful thing because yeah, it no, me too. Better. Yeah, and, and I'm like, that's, I mean, I guess I, I feel like the intentions are genuine, you know, but the execution is so, it, it's harmful. And like with shows like 13 Reasons Why, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, definitely. And um, I mean, I'm speaking from experience here when I say that like, when I see someone that does, that very clearly doesn't have uh, depression and I do, and I, I want to like make a note here that like, you know, there are going to be some people that genuinely do have uh, mm -hmm. depression and stuff, obviously, because that's how, you know, the, the entire mental health thing is. And, you know, it's just when someone genuinely does have mental health issues like depression, it, you know, they can receive a lot of backlash when they post about it on social media because of the people who have pretended to have depression or anxiety or the like uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that like, we can probably touch on is like, what, how do you know if someone even has depression or doesn't have depression? Because I mean, for me personally, when like, that, like I don't wanna say that I can tell who has and who doesn't have, but there are very, somewhat obvious signs that lead me to believe that someone might not have a mental illness mm -hmm. yeah I, I think i think i know what you mean it's like it's it, mental health is a, such a hard topic to discuss and it's important to have those type of conversations because like depression is one of these type of um mental disorders where it's hard to tell but also it can be like it, it's people exploit it, people who pretend to have a mental illness they'll exploit the mental illnesses that are kind of hard to determine because people with like one person dealing with depression will deal with it in a different way than another person dealing with depression you know and it's exactly. like it has it's so hard to determine that's why that's why we're not psychologists right now we're not physicians yeah i just want to mention we're not classified we're yeah. not like uh <laughs> we're not professionals I am literally 18 years old. There is, <laughs> I am, I, I am no, no, I am in no respect, and neither is Celine. We are in no respect professionals in this field. We are just two people that like want to talk about it. Yeah, and um, I, I personally do have a mental disorder. Um, I have generalized anxiety disorder, and I was diagnosed a couple years ago. Um, and it's, it's interesting because. Anxiety is also one of those mental disorders where you can't really tell. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but there's, I'll, I'm, when, if you know me in person, I'm so bubbly, bubble, excuse my pronunciation. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I'm so bubbly. Um, I um, laugh a lot. I try to make my friends laugh. I, um, I'm really kind and I, I, I'm being humble here, but um, yeah, so it's like, just, I mean, and one of my other friends, I'm obviously not going to say his name or anything, um, he has ADHD, right? Uh, by the way, it, October is ADHD National Awareness Month, so that's cool. Um, attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, so that's like, it, it impedes with your um, attention and it makes you super active. It can make, it, it can take away your focus from school and then there's a lot of stigma around ADHD because it makes people think that you're 
if you have ADHD, then you're just like lazy or you can't do it. And it's, it's not that, like it's literally a mental, a chemical imbalance in the brain that takes away your attention from things and your attention span like decreases and such. And my friend, he has that disorder and people wouldn't exactly be able to tell because he's so, well, among that, I mean, he has that disorder and obviously other mental health problems too because ADHD and anxiety can coincide with um, other mental disorders and oftentimes they will. Um, and you looking like being around him, you wouldn't think that he has something like that because he's so outgoing. He's so friendly. And I feel the same way about me. Like I'm an introvert, but I'm also outgoing, if that makes sense. Like I, I enjoy my alone time, but I will try to make friends. And, but I have social anxiety, but I deal with it in a different way than other people might think. You know what I mean? And it's, and that's yeah, why and that's, and that's <laughs> something that, um, that's a really good point. Um, I also have, uh, depression and ADHD and, uh, well, I wasn't qualified to be in generalized anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. However, my doctor did say I did have a pretty high score. So I'm kind of like on the line there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a story a for another too. time. Like, there's like, there's like a, yeah. like a cutoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a story for another time. But I, you know, I, uh, do have, um, a lot of those tendencies, um, I should say. And, um, I can definitely understand that, like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, different ways that different people will deal with it. And, um, I've certainly met a lot of other people who've had ADD or ADHD, um, that, you know, just don't really feel confident in themselves, mm -hmm. um, and don't really believe that they can do a lot more than what other people tell them. And I'm going to go into touchy territory for a lot of people. This is a touchy subject, I think. Because I'm, yeah, because I'm going to go into the school system mm. and how the school system, <laughs> at least from where I live, where I live, mm -hmm. uh, how they deal with it. So our school goes and um if you have um a diagnosis like you know adhd or add um or any other learning deficiency they put you in a special track and i put special in air quotes because for reasons i'm gonna get to in a minute it's not really all that special um but they put you in this special track where you know they try to uh, make sure that you are comfortable in the school. And the idea of it sounds nice, right? I, you know, you, if you talk about it like that, if you talk about it like, you know, trying to be inclusive with mental health and all that, it sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. But the thing I've seen is that this special track is really just like making sure that those students don't take harder classes. Oh. And that's a little bit questionable because it's like for someone like me who recently moved here and you know as such didn't have to um put down any sort of illnesses or anything before my you know before subject selection happened mm -hmm. um you know i got off pretty much scot-free because i could take whatever classes i want i could have done whatever i wanted 
Um, and the school would have only known after the fact that I had any sort of uh, learning deficiency, as they call it. Um, but for kids who have been diagnosed from a young age and have been in the school district for a while, they are being, not, I wouldn't say forced, but more coerced uh, into taking less harder classes. I don't know how to, easier classes. Yes. <laughs> Words come out of my mouth. But I think that's really just like an issue that we need to talk about because having a mental illness does not automatically make you less capable. For sure. And I think a lot of people sort of misconstrue that like having, um, some sort of uh, mental illness means that you're not going to be taking AP classes or you're not going to be taking um, IB courses or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's just really weird to see. Yeah. I think that you're, I feel like they have the the intentions, right? They, they, they're, they're feeling, they're trying to address ADHD and mental illness, but they're doing it so wrong. The execution right there is so And the wrong. thing is, and the thing is, I've seen this in so many other places just on a smaller scale. Oh, really? And it's like, yeah, I've moved around a lot um, oh, okay. in my life. I've been pretty much all over the East Coast, but oh, wow. you know, <laughs> that, that happens. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I see so many people misconstrue that like, if you have like, say you have like depression, you can't, you, you are, it's, what are words? It's not advised that you take harder classes. Mm -hmm. And most people will be like, yeah, sure. Okay. That, that's how that works. Because, you know, I mean, I don't want to like accidentally trigger myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that normalization is not like, that shouldn't be happening. That, that really shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be told that like, I am <clears throat> less capable of taking an AP class because I might accidentally trigger myself. Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely something that's up to the person. Like if that person feels that they can't take it, then that's their choice. But to have an entire system have this kind of, this structure that separates these kids based on mental illness or not having a mental illness, that's that's completely wrong. I think they could approach it with, instead of having that structure, they would implement more mental health services and counselors to help people with ADHD and with um, major depressive disorder, you know? And I think that's something that like a lot of people should take into account mm -hmm. um, because like a lot of times what happens when you say you have, uh, you know, say you, like, I don't know, I'm going to say major depressive disorder because that's the one I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, say you say, say that you say that you have depression mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you tell maybe a friend that you've had it for a while, you were diagnosed and, you know, all the things and now you're on medication and that's that. Something that I've seen go through people's minds is what, like, is she okay? And I think that's something that, like, while it's a good 
question to ask when you start following that line of thought like oh maybe she's not okay you know oh I should be a little bit more cautious when I'm around her oh I should be you know I should be more careful um around her I think that's sort of where you start assuming things that might be detrimental to the person that you're talking to Mm -hmm. yeah I think that goes with the mentality that um having a mental disorder or illness is a weakness so it's like entrenched in there it's not something that they consciously think of they don't uh, you may not someone without a mental disorder who thinks that way like is she okay they may not consciously think oh that's weakness but with their words like is she okay should i be more cautious that they unintentionally have that like within them that mental disorder is a weakness and i think it, it's it's such a big stereotype that is hard to get rid of. And it's like, I've seen so many people who blog, who write blogs about their um, mental health issues that they say that they wanna be treated normally. You know, they wanna be treated like a regular person, but someone will see their mental illness or find out about their mental illness and it will warp their, their, their image of that person in their mind. And it will cause them to behave differently around a person who they figure out now has depression. And I, I feel like the intentions, like like I said, it's so hard because when dealing with mental health, there's so many different layers of it. And yes, you should be cautious if your friend is suicidal. You should, you know, try to talk to them and see if if they need help. But on the other hand, um, on the other end, there's like certain types of, I guess you would have to understand the person without the mental illness first. Because if the person wants help, then you could be cautious around them and help them, right? But if that type of person wants to be treated normally, then that's, then that's what you should do. So I think that's what like people who have friends think, with mental illness, like they should take that into consideration. And I think that's important because, you know, that goes for a lot of things. Just like there shouldn't really be a fear to just ask, like, you know, if you know someone has um, anxiety of some kind, you could ask them, um, you know, what triggers you um and if they're comfortable with sharing with you then that's that now you know the more you know and now you can take steps to ensure that you don't accidentally trigger them you have a concrete plan at that point and it's not just like assumptions layered on top of assumptions Mm -hmm. Communication is so important. And I remember there was, um, I think it's still going on, that campaign called Hashtag Seize the Awkward, where you have those awkward conversations with your friends because it's so important. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. No, no. I yeah. actually just saw that. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's still going on. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's still going. And yeah. um, I think that's really, um, going back to what you said earlier about Gen Z being the most open, mm -hmm. Um with mental like seeking help for mental health um mm -hmm. issues and such i think that's really great that like we have collectively decided that we're gonna take a step forward and mm -hmm. we're not going to uh let these stereotypes be uh stereotypes we're gonna try our best to actively dismember and dismantle these stereotypes um mm -hmm. And that goes for a lot of things. You know, it goes for mental health. It goes for, um, as we've seen with Black Lives Matter, it goes for racism. It goes for 
you know, with the feminist movement, it goes for sexism, it goes for a lot of things. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really in awe about with uh, Gen Z. It's <laughs> just that like, if you take a step back and look at it, there's just been a lot of upheaval with yeah. stereotypes and such. Yeah, we're, we're, we're <laughs> taking over. <laughs> there's a, it's amazing, like what you're saying about um, Black Lives Matter and feminist movements. I've seen so much. I like, I joined the, uh, Arts Fair Relief is not a nonprofit. We haven't registered for that yet because um, we're not, I feel like we haven't expanded enough to, to be that like big thing yet. And we also, as a, as a board, we don't have the money to fund it, <laughs> to like, to pay for the nonprofit status. But um, a lot of nonprofits have followed us and like we, we engage with them. And I guess I would say it's the nonprofit community, right? And when I first started Arts for Relief and engaged in this community with, with nonprofits and other organizations like yours, it's amazing to see these young, like Gen Zers, um, for, I don't know how what to call us, Gen Zers. <laughs> Zoomers. Zoomers, Zoomers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so us Zoomers, like from ages 14 to 23 and we're, or 22, my bad, 22. And we're engaging in these different platforms. Like we're using Instagram obviously and um, Twitter as our main platforms, but it's different platforms for like Black Lives Matter, for the feminist movement, for um, sex, sexual assault um, issues and for mental health and just for basically everything politics like i've seen at least one one instagram account and profile that is doing very well for like every single social issue or every single political issue and it's amazing <laughs> and that's something i think that uh really goes unnoticed um because i know that like when we started out um trying to become like a platform for people we didn't even know that half of these nonprofits and half of these organizations even existed much less that they had like instagram accounts and that they were like actively like posting on instagram and you know they were like their own little community uh -huh. and that's something that's like really cool because i think a lot of people just kind of assume that like social media is just like oh I get to like see my friends and see my family and you know I get to uh talk to them and do whatever and like of course you know I have personal accounts that I do just that yeah so I'm, sure. I'm kind of being hypocritical here when I talk about that but <laughs> we know what you mean like there's but... another there's a whole other side to it too yeah exactly and like you know you can I think one of the things that we actually wanted to do with this podcast was like just show people that like we aren't that special in the sense that like you can do it too yeah. it's like i mean it's gonna take the drive obviously it's gonna take that sort of like thinking about and you know there's a whole Planning. process about it yeah there's a whole process that goes behind it but you know if you have the motivation to do it you can honestly do it mm -hmm, for sure and i think that's something gen z has really taken yeah. to heart um <laughs> yes especially over the course of like the last few months yeah yeah the world has changed so much in a few months <laughs> yeah and you know i mean if that you know i think actually quarantine has actually made a lot of change 
um and i'm i'm using that as like a neutral term because obviously there has been some negative change um but you know i mean there's been a lot of positive change as well i know that there's like at least 20 nonprofits that were uh affiliated with that like kind of started because they were you know it, it was quarantine and they had the time yeah um and now they're just like well you know this became really popular <laughs> so yeah. like, i think just get out and do it you know <laughs> yeah actually and i think that goes for like a lot of people that um that's actually a really good motivational <laughs> for anyone that has like any sort of motivation issues uh just like do it <laughs> do it you, you can't wait waiting yeah. sucks yeah waiting sure. i i actually like if i wait um my memory is crap right and then combined with the fact that like adhd refuses to let me focus um it just like if i get an idea for something if i have an idea for something i have to like either type it out or like send it to someone right then and there otherwise like it's gone within yeah. like a couple of minutes it's just nope bye it's gone what was i thinking about i have no idea i wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> um, so how you doing that just like right typing them out and everything <laughs> i mean yeah honestly i uh the way i manage with focus um and you know tips with chica how to manage yes. with focus <laughs> um <laughs> a little segment oh, <laughs> oh my god what I do to like help me focus is I, when I get an idea for something, I have like this notepad that I have on my desk mm -hmm. um, at all times. And usually I only work on my desk for, uh, you know, cause apparently like working in the same spot, let me backtrack. If you uh, separate different spots for sleeping, for eating, and then for working and for fun, things entertainment you know yeah. that jazz apparently you focus uh your focus is a lot better and i've definitely seen that improvement um although i've been bad at like making sure the working and entertainment sections don't overlap <laughs> because both are on my laptop um <laughs> relatable That's uh but i've never heard of that that's actually really interesting <laughs> yeah um and it actually does work. Um, but also I have like this notepad on my desk. This is tip number two, I guess. That was tip number one. <laughs> tip number two, have a notepad on your desk and just kind of write down whatever it is that you're thinking of at the moment. Like I can show, I can not show you, but tell you what uh, is on my notepad right now. Uh, tips for making a decent post. And then there's a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> Oh, I can't read that, um, but you can scratch. Um, and then there's a bunch of organizations that we have for IGTV video collaborations and IGTV po or IG post collaborations. Um, and then there's a bunch of random ideas that I have for different posts. And, you know, uh, I honestly, this is where I keep track of everything. Um, and then, you know, you transfer it to like, you talk about it with your team later or you do whatever but write it down that's the tip i think that was a really long way to say just write it down um <laughs> but yeah write it down that definitely does help yeah i think yeah i i i um have a 
I mean, I don't have ADHD, but I do like my anxiety causes me to overthink a lot and my my thoughts will get jumbled up in my brain oftentimes. And so if I'm thinking about something that I think is super important, I, w- I will probably forget it later. And so I um, write it down on my notes app on my phone. I'm usually having my phone in my hand, um, which can be a good and a bad thing because if you're the if you're managing like a bunch of different platforms on Inst- accounts on Instagram, then it's good to have your phone on you because you can see the notifications. But I also have like an app called Flora that I use to keep me off of my phone um, because you know being on social media all the time can be detrimental to mental health. And um, for planning, I have a spreadsheet. I think Google Sheets has this pre-made calendar for you. That oh yeah, I, just, I use that so much. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I have so many of those. If you actually, yeah. like, if you see, um, like, our drive, uh, mm-hmm. the folder where we keep all our stuff, it's literally just, like, you know, we have, like, a podcast calendar, a post calendar, a... <laughs> <laughs> video calendar i kid you not we have a calendar for literally everything and oh my goodness well we love that organization (laughs) um yes quote-unquote organization because it gets updated like once a month (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we're so yeah i'm still pretty bad at trying to make sure i'm organized but whatever that's a learning curve (laughs) that yeah for sure we're going through um I mean, I, yeah, I totally agree with you that, like, you know, it, social media can be detrimental, um, and that's part of the reason why I have, like, notifications muted um, mm-hmm. for literally everything except for, like, text messages, mm-hmm. because, like, you know, obviously if someone texts me, it must it might be important, yeah. um, but <laughs> other than that, I, I kind of have notifications muted for everything, and I think it's actually helped a lot, excuse me, especially as we've um you know as like both my personal account and you know astral cognition have grown and the number of dms we've gotten has exploded (laughs) i like it's just helpful to be like oh i have nothing on my you know homepage. uh you know i can focus on what i actually want to do rather Mm -hmm. than like answering 50 dms um (laughs) in like an hour because I saw a notification on my phone so (laughs) I'm so bad at replying like if anyone's hearing this podcast like talks to me a lot they'll know that like I my reply time will be like hours it's it's oh same oh same no same I I totally get I like and it's not even just it's just because like it's not even like I'm busy it's just because like I don't like I check uh all of the apps that I have, and I definitely have way too many for my own good, but um, I check them so infrequently that I'm kind of just like, oh, okay, whoops, we accidentally let uh, one message explode into like a 20. <laughs> I'm so bad at yeah. replying. <laughs> Especially when I the message- saw a post. You can continue. <laughs> oh, you, you don't want to- continue <laughs> no i was just gonna say especially when the message is just like hi how you doing and i'm i kind of uh, i see that and i'm like it's gonna be i, I mentally yeah, yeah i mentally respond like i'm great and then i just don't respond <laughs> yeah i can see that <laughs> like I, I was um scrolling through explore today um and then like 
my the algorithm for Instagram has pushed a bunch of mental health related things onto my page, which <laughs> is actually really helpful. Um, and there was one that said, quote unquote, because um, you, you people typically use this a lot. Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't reply to you earlier. I had just forgot. But underneath it, they crossed out that I had just forgot, and it was a whole like it was a little explanation of oh, I I was mentally exhausted <laughs> and I had no energy to re respond to you, and so I left it off, and then I forgot to get back to it. <laughs> Dude, and I was yes. like, wow, that is very relatable. <laughs> yes, that is literally me. Like, I will, like, I'm so much better at, like, talking than I am at, te like, texting just because, like, my, I don't really have, like, I know some people don't, some people apparently, like, think before they speak and, like, that's weird to me. How do you do that? Please tell me how you do that. But I don't have uh, the sort of filter before I speak. I just kind of, like, whatever words come out of my mouth they come out of my mouth and hopefully it makes sense in, a, in some <laughs> sort of way um but you know i i mentally respond to texts like oh yeah you know i'm doing great how are you doing but i'll forget to write the entire thing down so, you know, I obviously won't hit the send button because I haven't written it down, but then I'll see something else and then I'm like, oh, okay, I need to go see this thing. And then mm -hmm. that message just gets left on read for like a couple days maybe before I realize, <laughs> oh crap, I didn't send the message. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll feel so bad whenever that happens. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <sighs> oh my god, yeah. So I think that's all the time I have today. Uh, so thank you so much for chatting with me and just being of here of course um, thank you so much for having me it's actually <laughs> really informative uh yeah. i actually learned a lot so you know thank you for being here and for being a part of this of course thank you for um asking me by the way i enjoyed the the opportunity and i enjoyed talking to you thank you so much for listening to this episode of creative minds if you like this episode, you can support these creators by using the links mentioned in the description. Please follow our Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel in order to stay up to date on the latest episodes. Also, share this episode with anyone who you may think may benefit from it. Friends, family, your neighbor, your dog, whoever. And as always, we'll see you in the next one. Bye bye!